You know, the, like the Wii on the Wii, they've got like the jam music that the characters jam to. It's it's kind of that vibe. Good morning, everyone. How are we today? Wonderful. It's so good to see you. Thanks for coming. And it's a holiday weekend, so especially thank you for being here. And if you're online at home, thank you for joining us that way. Uh, I was thinking about my identity this week, like who I have been in the past week. In the past week, I have played tennis. So in a way, part of my identity is tennis player. I had to travel to a couple of bookings. Uh, so in a way, I'm, I'm, I'm a traveler. I have posted on the internet, so you could say I'm a very low-influence social media influencer. Uh, I, I injured my elbow playing tennis, so you could say that part of my identity is that I am injured. Uh, I overate <laughs> a few times. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> so unfortunately, you could say that a piece of my identity is that I'm a glutton. Oh, but I exercised. I exercised. So you could also say that a piece of my identity is that I'm an athlete. I hope some days. Why did you laugh? <laughs> it's just hurtful. It's just hurtful. Um, I messaged with some other youth volunteers of E3. So you could say that a part of my identity is as a youth worker. Um, I shared two balloon programs, so you could say part of my identity is as a speaker, an entertainer, or a balloon artist, or if you don't know what I do for a living, or maybe if you do, you might just say my identity is that weird guy, because I just talked about balloon programs. Um, I also, I had dinner with my family, my parents are here, by the way, so... Uh, so you could say that I've got a piece of my identity as a son, as a brother, as an uncle. There are all these things that come together to make up my identity. They come together to make up who I am. And some of those are circumstances that I was born into. Some of them are for a season of my life or maybe even for a moment. Uh, some of them are permanent and some of them we choose. So I want to take a moment. This is our this is our little interaction time. You got a little you got a sheet of paper, right? I want you to think about what are some things that make up your identity at the moment in your lifetime, whatever span. You can talk to the person beside you to help you brainstorm, but in just a moment here, I want you to take a moment to write as many things as you can think of that make up your identity at the moment. If you go over the eight that we've got on the page there, you're welcome to write more. I will give you suggestions for potential areas as you as you write them, but on your marks, get set, go. You are welcome to talk to each other. Uh, and but here are some things that you could write. You could write things where you came from, where you're going, what you love, who you spend time with. You are supposed to be writing. Some of you are still just watching me. You're still just why this this is you time. You could write where you go each day, what you invest in, who invests in you. I like it. We'll see who managed to write the most things. I should have had them play that Wee Jam music some more while we were doing this. I didn't. I didn't plan for that. Would have been good. All right. Take about 
about 10 more seconds to write a few of those. Five, four, three, two, one. All right, pens down. I'm just kidding. You can keep writing if you want to. But how many of you found it easy to get at least four or five things on your list, even, even with just a few moments? Yeah, it's, it's not that hard to think of some things that feed into our identity, that feed into who we are. And as we enter into Ephesians chapter 3, we find Paul. Now, there are a lot of things that have made up Paul's identity. Paul is Jewish by birth and conviction in the way he grew up. He is a man who was so self-righteous in his Jewish faith that he went around and persecuted the original Christian Jewish followers of Jesus. Part of his identity was actually persecuting those who followed Jesus, and that's not even considering the people who weren't Jew Jewish and shared other faiths. Then after a profound experience on Damascus Road, Paul shifts from a persecutor of Christians to Christian himself. He has a dramatic change in his identity. So even though some things about him are the same, there is a big difference. He is a tent maker and a bivocational evangelist. So he's got two jobs there. He's one of the, the early great Christian evangelists for that matter. He is at the moment though a prisoner. All these things feed into his identity. Even the things about who he was as he goes from someone who persecuted Christians to someone who is a Christian, all these things help make up his identity and who he is at that moment. Our identity, how does our identity define us? Because there are so many things that help inform our identities. Some are thrust on us, some are chosen, some of them are our birthright, some of them we might prefer to forget. Uh, some of them leave us with choices about how we might allow the circumstances we can't change to inform our identity. Many times in life, we are faced with something that is hard or difficult or that we would rather not forget, and we have this choice in how we make it a part of ourselves. And Paul, at this moment, as he writes in Ephesians, is a prisoner. Now, for me, in, in that context, I would have a hard time not making that circumstance in my life my entire identity. And yet for Paul, that temporary identification as a prisoner does not inform his words at the moment. Yes, that is the situation he is, but that is not his identity. He could have easily allowed it to become that. I mean, I would have had a hard time not just writing and going, y'all, this is really miserable. I don't like being a prisoner. It's not fun. I'm not enjoying this. Instead, what Paul is focused on is who he is in Christ, how he has called to share Christ with others, and how that has informed his identity as a person and who he is called to be. Even though he's in prison, he's not writing about prison. He's writing about mystery and grace. See, Paul has an identity, but Paul also has a purpose. He's got a newfound 
identity in Christ that is an overriding identity that comes with his purpose. His identity had been to persecute, but now it was to preach. It's easy to imagine that our past doesn't just inform our present, but it commands our present. But for Paul, even though his past informed his present, even though his past contradicted his present, he had chosen a new identity in Christ, and that changed everything. You can contrast him to Peter. Peter was one of the earliest followers of Jesus. A pillar of the church. Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church. And we've just talked in the last chapter about the cornerstone and how God built on us. And Scott did an amazing job talking about that last week. And so Peter is this rock that the church is going to get built on. And yet Peter had to basically be dragged kicking and screaming by Jesus to accept the Gentiles, to accept the outsiders. Because Peter had this sense of identity and he didn't quite get the call to truly go out fully and into the world. God had to give him an extra nudge. So even though Paul came from where he did, in the sense of his purpose, he gets the call not just to the Jewish people, but to the Gentiles, to the entire world, more quickly than even Peter does. Peter has to literally get a vision from God that helped him to understand God's work with Gentiles. Now, Paul's understanding of his identity went on to help others to understand their identity. As an insider to the faith with his Jewish heritage, he was able to help others to understand what being an insider in Christian faith with that, that Jewish background leading up to it actually meant for them. Now, let's talk about the Gentiles' identity. You may not know it, but we're Gentiles. <laughs> I've, well, most of us, there may be a few exceptions in the room. Uh, a Gentile is anyone who is not Jewish by their birth. So, so it's not so much what the Gentiles were as what they were not. They were not Jewish. They were not circumcised. They were not following the law with a capital L. And historically, it was easy to forget or overlook that they had been included in God's plans for the Jewish people, going back to the Old Testament and going back to biblical roots. From a Jewish perspective, they are outsiders. They are not part of the work God is doing. And yet, in Paul, we are reminded that even from the Old Testament, even though it seems like God is just working with the Jewish people, God is actually working on something bigger. Paul emphasizes grace, and he emphasizes mystery. See, in grace, and we desperately need grace, in our Christian faith, we tend to, we tend to lose the nuance and just how big the word grace can be. I think often we sum up grace as simply being a matter of forgiveness, and yes, that is an element of grace, to be sure. But Paul's definition of grace is something bigger than just the gift of salvation. It's God's favor on humanity and inclusion of those who could have been left as outsiders in the picture of what God is doing. 
Paul says, I became a servant of the gospel by the gift of God's grace given to me through the working of his power. So part of that grace is just in, in what God is doing with Paul's life. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel a profound sense of grace when I am able to follow God in some worthwhile way in this world. And Paul says, although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of the mystery for ages, which for ages has, was kept hidden in God who created all things. So there is grace, but there is also this element of mystery in just how big God's plan is. Often we, we miss the full picture of what God's doing. I don't know about you, but there are a lot of days where it's easy to forget that there are other people in the world with thoughts and feelings and different perspectives of their own. Anybody in here get tired and grumpy sometimes? Yeah. And I have days where I am good at noticing people because I want people around me to feel loved and welcomed and important. And there are days when I've had too little sleep and too little food or things just haven't gone quite right. And on those days, it is very easy to find myself trapped in me. Because what it's most easy to see each day is how do I feel? Am I tired? Do I feel good? Do I feel happy? Do I feel sad? Do I feel successful? Do I feel like a failure? It's easy to see how I feel. And it's easy to make our identity selfish, and it's easy to miss that the way we live in this world is not just about me, but the way I love God and the way I love others. And so that becomes something beyond me. That grace is not just something that I grab for myself and, and bundle up. In fact, I, I find that I can't even experience the grace of Christ when I'm being selfish with it. Be, because I, I can't understand what's happening in the world. I can't understand others. I can't understand that love, that grace, that mystery, and that the gospel, the good news, is not something to bundle up and be held, which was the temptation for some of the early Jewish followers of Jesus to make it something just for them. And yet, Paul recognizes, and other early followers of Jesus came to recognize that God's plans were bigger. There's a mystery to it. And there's certainly mystery to how God works in this world. Paul points to that mystery. He points to it generally, but he's also looking at a specific nuance of God's mystery. This mystery, this is 3 verse 6, this mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs with Israel. Members together of one body and sharers together of the promise of Jesus Christ. They had to, to many appearances, reading through the Old Testament and looking at God's work, they had appeared to be outsiders. Yet even when you look at the Old Testament, you see hints that, that through Abraham, he was not only to be blessed, but to be a blessing, not just to the Jewish people, but to the world. There are hints even in the Old Testament of this mystery of God, but it so often got forgotten because it's so easy to make our identity me-centric and miss that our identity 
is about something bigger. So there is this mystery that the Gentiles, those of us who weren't born Jewish, were actually included in God's plans. But it's, it's bigger than that. It wasn't an afterthought. God wasn't like, I didn't really like y'all, but I, I guess Christ can come for you too. It's, it's not like that. It was actually, this is 311, yet in that mystery and grace, those outsiders are welcomed as insiders, see, and, and 311 says his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. It wasn't an afterthought that God included the outsiders with the insiders. It wasn't an accident that God included the outsiders with the insiders. As easy as it is to be selfish and find our faith and keep our God tightly held for ourselves as part of my identity, but not your identity because I'm a follower of Jesus and that's, that's my thing. It was part of God's eternal purpose to include not just the insider Jewish people, but the outsiders as well were included as insiders. God's purpose is that they are welcomed, not grudgingly, but as part of the eternal purpose. There is an insiders and outsiders theme in the New Testament. Literally everyone who isn't Jewish is a Gentile and is, in a very real sense, an outsider to the faith. But the Christian faith grew out of early Ju Judaism. All the earliest followers of Jesus would have also identified themselves as Jewish. And out of that, it might have felt awkward and unnatural to present the good news to a Gentile. And yet we see something more in the gospel, in the good news. We see something more in Paul from the beginning of his ministry that includes Gentiles from the beginning. And while some people might have left Gentiles on the outside or as a concession, Paul immediately sees them as full partners in the gospel. In Christ, the Gentile identity as outsiders to the Jewish faith is flipped on its head as they have a new identity. It doesn't negate the old identity, but it does reframe and transform it into something new. See, in our past, each of us have things that make up our identity. Some of them are good, some of them are bad, some of them are neutral. Some of them are things we happen to, and some of them are things that happened to us. Some of them we have control over, some of them we don't. But all of them, we have some sway in how we incorporate them into our identity. But for Paul, there is a bigger identity. There's a bigger identity in his call here and what he's saying and what he's doing. There's a bigger identity in why in writing from prison, Paul isn't obsessed with how much of a bummer it is that he got stuck in prison. See, Paul wouldn't have even been in prison except for his convictions in his faith. And except for that Christ had become part of his identity. So Paul's identity, first through a 
miraculous Damascus Road experience, his identity is transformed from legal Jewish leader who stood approvingly while Stephen was martyred to one who is not only a follower of Christ, but one who realized that the mystery of God's work throughout history and the goodness of God's grace extended to not only the Jewish people, but also to Paul's Gentile peers that he might deign to dine with before he had recognized God's grace. So Paul's identity is radically transformed. And in Christ, we find our identities reshaped. After being outsiders who are welcomed into the mystery of God, Paul recognizes that in the mysterious grace of Christ, Gentiles had also been part of God's eternal purpose all along. That new identity becomes transformative. That new identity becomes this this meta-identity that all the other pieces of identity, they don't all disappear. We don't cease to have the background we had, and yet we have something new and bigger that defines us and defines who we are. See, there's, there's our roles, and then there's our identity. There are things that we do. Some of those things are for a season. Some may be for a lifetime, but they're just, they're just what we do. But there are things that are simply part of who we are. We can't choose who we are, and we, we can't always choose the legacy that's handed down to us. But I can take my identity, my heritage, and choose what to do with it. Maybe, maybe I'm, I'm injured. I got, you can't see it. I got a shoulder uh, or an arm thing on right now. Maybe I'm injured. I can choose what to do with that. Maybe I've had something good or something bad happen to me. I can choose what to do with that. And see, in Christ, we've got this opportunity to follow something bigger, to have a bigger identity into which all those other things fall. If I'm injured, I can use it for Christ. If something bad has happened in my life, I can use it for Christ. If something good has happened in my life, I can use it for Christ. There are passing things, but then there's this identity that infuses and subsumes all the things that we do. For Paul, that identity was Christ. And I hope to live my life so that when people see me, the identity that they see is not me, but is Christ. Paul's definitive identity was Christ. For early Gentiles who chose to follow their identity, identity became Christ's. When you invest in the core of who you are, the core of who people see when they see you, and the core of who you will become, my question is, what is your core identity? Is it Christ? Or are you letting the less important things take the primary seat? Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are at work in us. And we thank you that our identity can be something bigger in you. We thank you, God, that while it is easy to feel like an outsider, God, you invite us not as outsiders, but as part of your eternal purpose 
And it's in Jesus' name we pray.